John chapter 5. Let's begin reading uh, in verse 19. John chapter 5, verse 19. Most of Jesus is speaking. Well, it says, and then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. For who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father whom, who sent him. Now that's plenty for tonight, but let's continue reading. Most assuredly, always it means truly, truly, verily, verily, whatever. It, it is an absolute statement. It's a strong statement anytime Jesus says those words. Uh, because he says truth anyway. So everything, I mean, we understand that that he, his words, he is truth, and his words are truth. So whenever he says most assuredly or verily, verily, or truly, truly, it is a strong emphasis, okay? Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. See why it's a strong statement. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That's a big statement. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. How many? All. All. That's interesting. May not get that far tonight, but I'll tell you what all means. It means all. <laughs> Excluding no one. Well, I thought only the, the dead in Christ were going to rise. That's not what the Bible says. They're gonna, well, they're going to rise first, even before the saints, but everybody is going to be resurrected. Everybody. It's just a matter of where you go at the resurrection, who you stand, or which judgment. You're going to stand before Jesus Christ in the story, everybody. But it, you're either going, this passage is, is referring 
to the uh, great white throne judgment or the judgment seat of Christ. It's, it's what he's discussing. All judgment's been given to Jesus. This is what he's talking about. Do not marvel for the, this is verse 28 again. Do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good into the, see, those who have done good into the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Other places in the word, it calls what the first resurrection and the second resurrection. I can, verse 30, I can of myself do nothing. This is his humanity. You understand. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous. Jesus is speaking. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Now, that's a big statement too. Man, there's enough here to spend weeks. We're not going, well, I ain't going to say that. We might. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Now, there's some doctrine that that's going to interrupt in some circles. And it can't help but interrupt it. It says what it says. <laughs> Verse 31, let's finish reading the chapter. I will bear witness of myself. My witness is, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me. Jesus is still speaking. And I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John and he has borne witness of the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was, he was the burning and shining lamp that you, that you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than John's. He's talking, now here he's talking, it's a lot, but we need the context for tonight. Now, the John that John is referring here is John the Baptist, okay? He was the lesser light. I have a greater witness than John's for, for the works of the Father has given me to finish. The very works that I do bear witness of me. Now, what is Jesus saying right here? The things you see coming from me and through me and, and by me bear witness in themselves of who I am. That was what the disciples would even realize later on when he stepped to the bow of a boat and spoke to the storm and the wind ceased and the waves. They said they had seen a lot of things at that point. But they stepped, their, their comment was what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him. He was more than just a man. Verse 37, the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. But you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent him you do not believe. You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. So let me ask you a question real quick. Who's testifying of him? John the Baptist? 
the, very, the works and the very things that you've seen him do, and the word of God testify of him. That's a three in the mouths of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. But you are not willing to come to me, verse 40, that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men. Doesn't then, didn't then, doesn't now. But I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my Father's name, and you did not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from another and do not seek the honor that comes from only God? The only God. Do not think that I shall accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, whom, in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me. For he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? <laughs> he said a lot <laughs> right there. More than we can tackle in a night. But you need all of the thought. Because there's a, there's a lot to see. He is literally to the religious leadership of his day painting a clear picture that I'm God. And I'm the one that you've looked for. You believed John for a little while, but you've, now you've turned on him. You're not honoring me. And if you don't honor me, you don't honor God. And if, you keep, if you're looking and the, you're looking for a greater witness in Moses, and, and you have Moses' testimony of who I am, and you still don't receive it. If you don't believe him, you're not going to believe me. If you don't believe the word, you're not going to believe anybody. Because the witness is in the word. That makes me want to cover a few things before we even go to where I intend to start. I know you're shocked. Remember uh, an account that Jesus himself gave some think a parable, but clearly it's not. There was a, a time when Jesus looked at the people and said, there was a man named Lazarus. And another man, a rich man. He didn't say, let me give you liken to a man named Lazarus. Or compared to, there was no, there was no simile, there was no, none of that stuff. He, Jesus said there was a man named Lazarus. It's not a parable. It's a, it's a divine account of when Lazarus being a beggar, the rich man having it all, and they both died, remember? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And it says they were in paradise, Abraham's bosom. That's a time before there was a heaven 
or before the souls went to the heavens, presence of the Lord. That, that's a whole other teaching. But they used to, the, before the cross, let's just say it that way, when people died, they, were all, they all went into the center of the earth, into Abraham's bosom. There was eternal damnation, yes, but there was, there was eternal, there was, there was people set aside and reserved, protected for eternal life. Man, that's a deep well. That's a deep well. Because, first of all, everybody in Adam's race that has ever believed on the, on, on the sacrifice that was to come even were, were saved by the blood of Jesus. Hmm. Right, maybe that's an okay place to go right now. That's why they were held. They were, they were, they were, they were captive. They were not being tormented. They were not any of those things. They were Abraham's bosoms, what the Bible calls it, or paradise. Not being tormented like the, the, the rich man on the, on the other side of the gulf. But they were not in the presence of the Lord either. Why? Because they had believed on, on the sacrifice of the one that was to come. They were preserved, but there was only one that could pay the price, and the price had not been paid. Well, I might as well keep digging around in that just a second. This is why on, on, the, on the day that Jesus died on the cross, when he spoke to the thief, that not the thief that cursed him and, and was still raging, but the thief that says, why are you doing this? We're guilty. This man is innocent, remember? And he turned, this thief turned to Jesus, the thief on the right turned, and says, will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? Remember? And Jesus' response was, this day, when is that? Today. You will be with me, where? In paradise. Not in heaven, not at, the right hand of the, not at the right hand of the Father. This day, today, you will be with me in paradise. And that's correct. Before he ascended, he descended. The Bible says that he went in and he led captivity captive. He went to the captives in paradise, Abraham's bosom, because the price was now paid. And he led those that, were, that had been in, in the hold for all those centuries and led them out personally. That's a pretty big deal. Delivered them. But when he's telling about, Abraham, about Lazarus and the rich man, we know the rich man had everything on earth and died to damnation, eternal death. Lazarus had nothing on earth, but he had God, and he lived in eternal life. And it says that, that there was a man named Lazarus, and he was in Abraham's bosom. And it said that there was, the rich man died, and he was, but he was, uh, in, he was in the center of the earth also. But the Bible says that there was a great gulf that was fixed between them. A separation. But they could see, obviously. And in that place of torment, the rich man cried out and said, send Lazarus, the beggar, to me that he would, that he says, for I am in torment. He said, send him to me that he would dip his finger in water 
and touch my tongue that he would ease my suffering. Just a touch, just a wet finger. And it wasn't possible. And the re- there's a reason I went here because of what we just read. There, and the rich man then said, well, then send someone back. Send me back or send someone back to tell my brothers so that they don't end up like me. And the response was very interesting. He said, there's no need to send you or anybody else if they didn't believe Moses or the prophets. They're not going to believe me, you, or anybody else either. Yeah. And Jesus is telling this to the people that are alive. That's the reason I went there. This is the man that had, he, he is facing the second death. He, he is, it's, his, his lot has been sealed. And his thoughts even still yet was for the torment that he was in. And that if my brothers knew what I was going through, they would turn and Jesus said, I think not. If they didn't believe Moses, they didn't believe the prophets, they're not going to believe. And that's what he's saying to the religious leaders even in his life and in their life. He said, you've had John the Baptist witness of me. You've had... You've had the word that you, that you say you are so studied and that you know so well. It is the witness of me. You have Moses that witnessed to me. You, you, you know, the, all the Jewish nations at that time and still claim Moses as their deliverer. And he was. But they, uh, they pointed to Moses for everything or Abraham. And they said, well, he said, you didn't believe Moses. You don't believe. My father knows. I know who believes and who doesn't. You're never going to believe. Interesting. And I I didn't really intend to take this direction tonight, but I'm going to go ahead and take it a little bit because there's a whole lot of people, because the word's going forth a lot today. It's, it's, a, it's a tired old world. It's a bad old world. It's a getting worse old world. It's, it's following the prophetic timeline to the T. And everything that the word says is going to happen is happening, has happened, it is happening, and will continue to happen. And people's had it. It's in front of them. People like me and others that are called to the ministry that are willing to preach the truth are preaching their guts out, and people are still not hearing, by and large. Or there's church people that hear and they believe in their mind that this is true stuff yes but they they have they haven't made any they haven't made any uh made any commitment to the lord they haven't they haven't they haven't been born again let's say it that way let's use john's language they 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 theoretically or or intellectually believe that this is true but they have not they're not born again they're just religious that's all they are that's it and they think they either think two things one of two things that I'll do I'll, I'll live as I please because I believe this is true and everything will be all right they're not all right you must be born again you must be born again that's what Jesus told Nicodemus you must be born again John chapter 3 you must be or they believe maybe even believe in this, in this resurrection of the dead, what is known as the, the rapture of the church, and they think, I'll, li- I'll, I'll either make it right before I die, like they know when they're going to die, <laughs> or I'll live for, I'll, I know all this stuff, I'll live for God then. Let me tell you something. 
And Jesus, this is what Jesus, if they can't live for God, can't and won't live for God in the church age, in the age of grace, there is, they are not going to live for him in that time. They are going to be enamored by a false prophet and a charismatic antichrist. They will be enamored by him. They will be given to strong delusion. That is what is going to happen. He said, why? Because he turned to his own people. He says, you don't believe me? You didn't believe John the Baptist? You don't believe the word of God? You don't even believe Moses? I am the one that all three of those things testified of that was coming and that I, that I am the promised one and you still don't believe. But he, he said, there is one who, who accuses you and that is Moses in whom you trust for if you believe Moses, you would believe it me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe in my words? That's what he told the, that's what he told the rich man in hell. Said my, if, you, if you go tell them what I'm going through, tell them, it's real, it's real, it's real. They won't, they won't end up like me. And Jesus said, if they didn't believe Moses, they don't believe the prophets, they're not going to believe you. Or anybody else. Why? Hard-hearted. What did I talk about Sunday? Stiff-necked. Rebellion. Turned over to. Hebrews would talk about a conscience that's been seared with a hot iron. Romans chapter 1 would talk about a, 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 a downward spiral of depravity that where God turns you over to your vile passions and, and when you still won't turn that he turns you over to a, a, a defiled, a debased mind a, a, retro, a reprobate mind you're turned over to it there's a danger in sitting under the gospel your entire life and doing nothing with it A scriptural danger. A Jesus said it himself danger. God even said as much all the way back in the days of Adam. He said, my spirit will not always strive with man. <laughs> wow. If God still deals with you in your sin, you ought to thank him. When you step out... <laughs> Maybe, you ha maybe you're not born again, but he's still, he's still pulling on you. Maybe you are born again, and when you, and when you, when you get a little fleshy, a little carnal, and you start, going, you, you start going out of his way a little bit, he still comes and convicts your heart and says, you cannot do that. We're not talking about legalism. God doesn't deal, he deals legally, but he doesn't deal in legalism. Because that's the thing with the church world today. Anything they don't like that the Word says, they just call it legalism. Well, that's not what legalism is. If the Word said it, the Word said it. If the Word says it, the Word means it. Legalism is, is, is works and acts of, of, of things that the Bible never asked for. And that men put on people and require of them. But if the Word says it, the Word says it. It's not legalism. It's just truth. <laughs> it's just truth. 
So I'm telling, I'll say it again. If, 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 if the Spirit of God still deals with you in your sin, you ought to fall on your face and thank God for Him. If you're in this room tonight and you've sat under the gospel your entire life and you're no longer moved by it, no longer stirred by it, you are hard to it, you ought to, you ought to pray God keeps breath in your lungs and breaks through your hard, stiff-necked heart before you die and leave this world eternally lost and damned to hell. That's still the gospel. People don't want to preach it anymore. That's negative. No, it's true. Half of our problem sometimes is in the churches, people think it's negative and positive. It's the standard. No, there's a very, the, the eternal life is as positive as it could possible, possibly be. The things of God are wonderful. And they, and, they, and, they can, and they can make you sing. They can make you shout. And all, when they mean something to you, but when they no longer come, see, we're supposed to work out our own salvation with fear and with trembling. When you lose the fear of God and, and, the, and, and, the, and the reverence of his, of his awesomeness, you are in a very dangerous place. A very dangerous place. It is a hardened place whenever you, whenever you are no longer moved or concerned by your own condition. <laughs> there will have to be. I'll, I'll talk to me for a second. Because even as straight as I try to be. And it's hard sometimes. There are things that you've got to preach that you do not enjoy. But the standard is not if people run and shout. The standard is not if people dance and sing. The, the standard is not if people, Pastor, I loved your sermon today. Who cares? The standard is, did, it cut, did, the, did the sword of the word cut into your heart and bring you back to who he is and what he's done? The standard is, are you changed by it? The standard, the, 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 it's a ridiculous place we've came to where we think when you're dealing with exactly what God says that you know, I don't, we, should, we don't really want to focus on that or preach on that because it's negative. No, it's true. Who are we? I mean, it's a good question. Who do we think we are? Got people that you know, they think their whole ministry is preaching on the gifts of the Spirit. Or their whole ministry is preaching on faith. Or their whole ministry, that's baloney. The man of God will preach the whole counsel of God. Will cry aloud and spare not. That's the calling of the man of God. Isaiah 58, cry aloud and spare not. Paul, in the book of Acts, I've, I have spared nothing. I've withheld nothing from you. Convince, exhort, rebuke with all long-suffering and sound doctrine that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's by the foolishness of preaching that men are saved. Jude, in case you, in case you think the butter has slipped off of my noodle, <laughs> Jude says the son saved with fear. It says, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the smoke. 
He says, some, some say with compassion, some say with fear. And it says for you to know the difference. You know, there's some people that aren't going to understand anything. But if you, if you keep living that way, you're going to die and you're going to split hell wide open for eternity. Eternally separated from God. Boy, that packs the house out. But you know what? That was, that was the message that started a great awakening. Do you even know that? The message, it wasn't heaven's, it wasn't streets of gold and gates of pearl and, and 12 foundations of gemstones and, and, and streets of gold and a sea of glass and, and the trees of life feeding the native. The, that was not the message that started the first great awakening. The first, the first great awakening was started by a, a preacher that was so nearsighted that he had to write in block letters and read like this straight off a of paper and he preached sinners in the hands of an angry God. And the, the, the listeners said, said that it was like he hung you out over hell on a spider web. Jonathan Edwards hung you. He said, they, they, he said when he preached, it was like he hung you out over hell on a spider web. Said that grown men in the middle of a sermon would begin to wail and to scream and to cry out for mercy. There's no preacher that can do that. Y'all hear me? There is no preacher that can do that. It, he didn't even have any personality. Just like that. Red. Still available online if you want to read it. And the message of dying eternally separated from God lit the world on fire. There would, be no, there would be no United States of America today if it wasn't for Jonathan Edwards and the sinners in the hands of an angry God. It was, it was a similar message that Charles Finney would preach that would start a second great awakening in America. It's always been the message that you must be born again. This is, I, I'm at the end of where I thought I would be tonight, not the beginning, where, where Jesus is telling the people that have heard it. You know who I'm talking to in church, online? Who, I, I'm talking to people who have heard it and 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 who have heard it. And it's, it's the greatest privilege in your life to ever hear the truth of the gospel one time. There is no greater privilege ever afforded to a human being than to hear the gospel one time. I can't even remember who to, quote, to attribute the quote to. He says that there's no man that has the right to hear it twice until everybody's heard it once. <laughs> and we're saturated I can tell you for a fact, I'm not bragging on me. I'm talking about, I'm bragging on that I, that I had a God that got hold of my heart a long time ago and that this preacher committed to the Word of God. A long, that, that I can, so I can say with confidence that it's not a brag, it's not anything else. I can tell you right now for four and one half years, Mag Church has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's heard, it's heard the whole counsel of God for four and a half years. And he's talking to a people that have sat under it for centuries 
And he said, if you didn't believe them, you don't believe me. My God, church, when we're unmoved by the gospel, we are in a bad place. I've told this here once before, I think. I'm going to tell it again because there's people that literally believe. There, there is, I am convinced in my soul that right now, even in this room, there's people, a person or people in this room that have heard it and they actually believe that it's true. But they're playing games with God. I'll say it, I'll say it even kind of a dicier way. They are playing Russian roulette with their life. Because they're, they're living dangerous lives outside of this place, knowing full well that this book is true. And they're counting on getting up tomorrow every time. Hear me, they're counting on getting up tomorrow and the day that they decide that they're done playing fun and games, that they're gonna live for God. It is not up to you when you come to God. Hear me, it is not up to you when you come to God. There is no man that comes to the Father unless his spirit through his son draws them to him. It is not up to you when you come to God. It's not up to you. Back in Van Buren, had a Sunday school teacher once upon a time. Uh, Jeff would know who it is. It was Tammy Hamby who talked about her dad, that he lived most of his life that way. He, he, he believed this. He believed this, the, the principles of this book were true, but he didn't live for God. And they would deal with him. They would talk to him and say, Daddy, you, you must, you've got to be born again. It's not enough that you believe that this, that this is God's word and that it's true. He's got to change you. He said, yes, I agree with you. And when I'm done living the way I want to, I'll live for him. When I get ready to die, I'll live for him. You know why he wasn't interested in going to hell? Because he knew hell was true. He knew it was true. He knew, he knew there was a place of eternal damnation and separation from the living God. He knew it. There was no doubt in his mind. But, but I'm going to tell you something. God is not mocked. God is not mocked. And there came a time in that man's life where he was driving down the road and in an instant he was facing a head-on collision that should have killed him. It should have killed him. He saw it coming and he had it. You know, how many times have you heard, well, they, they had any time, they, they probably made it right. They knew. It's not up to you when you come to God. He's gracious, he's merciful, and sometimes I am absolutely sure that's true because I'm going to tell you, when it comes to the soul of man, if there's any way, Jeff, he's going to do it. If there's any way, if there's any way, he's going to make a way. I, that I know because he's rich in mercy and he's full of grace and he's perfectly just. If there's any way whatsoever, he is going to make a way. But he left things up to us and he's not mocked. And it's not when you decide. It's when he deals with you and gives you the opportunity. Hmm. I'll prove that in just a second. 
He was, he, her daddy mercifully, that is the mercy of God. That is the grace of God. Her daddy mercifully and graciously survived a, a head-on accident with a, with a big vehicle that should have killed him. And when he did and came to himself, when he could communicate and all those things, he realized what had happened to him and he, be, and he began to cry out to God for mercy after he survived. And he called his family and he talked to them and told them that I've made, my, I, I, I've made him Lord of my life. I will live for him until I die. I'm his. And they said, what changed, Daddy? He said, because he said, he told him, he said, I always said that I would live the way I wanted to. And before I died, I would make it right with God. He said, Tammy, when I was looking at the grill of that truck and knew that I was fixing to be in, I was in the last seconds of my life. He said, there was no doubt in my mind that I was about to die. That that was going to be my last things I seen on this earth. He said, my heart wasn't, oh God, help me. My heart wasn't, oh God, forgive me. My heart wasn't, God, my, my heart wasn't Jesus. He said, it was none of those things. He said, when I saw that truck, he said, all that would come to my mind was every foul word that you could think of because that truck was in my lane. Think about it. You know why? I can tell you why. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It wasn't in there. God did mercifully and graciously allow him to live. And he did have the sanity at that point to cry out to God for mercy. You know what? When you cry out to God for mercy, he'll hear you. <laughs> Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You know what? That's what he says for us. It's an attribute of him. Jesus is telling them clearly. You think you've got all this religious stuff figured out? He said, you're never, going, you're never going to see the one to come. And you're never going to be with God because you've rejected me. When there's, when there's witness after witness after witness after witness that says that I'm him. It don't ma matter that you believe that there is, that the law of Moses is true. It doesn't matter that you believe that the prophets were telling the truth. What matters is the truth is standing in front of you and you reject it. That's what matters. That's what matters. Over there in John 5, 24, we read it. Say, hey, Jesus says, most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. I read a little quote by Tozer the other day. Anybody know him? A.W. Tozer. Renowned now. I mean, he's everybody's spiritual hero, and rightly so. He was a great man of God. He was not popular in his time. He was canceled as much as he was preached. There was lots of places he, he preached that he never got invited back to. There was lots of people that shut him out. Oh, now he's now he's A.W. Tozer. And even now, we like him when, it, when, his, when, his, when his quotes fit our cute little sermon. But I read a little thing by Tozer yesterday. And it says, it's amazing the people who believe the heresy of the doctrine 
of accepting Jesus. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's hot as a firecracker. That's what that is. Preach that. Bunch of heretics, I accept Jesus. You know what? He ain't wrong. I accept Jesus. I accept a lot of things, but it won't save me. Jesus is saying to the, the you accept that the word is true. You accept that there was a prophet to come. You accept that the prophet spoke of one to come. You accepted for a while that John was the, was the, the, the lesser light to testify of the greater light. You accept, but you've rejected me. And your acceptance doesn't mean anything. You must be born again. If a man, you get tired of hearing 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if a man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I've said it before. I've said it a thousand times. If when you came to Jesus and you accepted Jesus, if you didn't come out something different, you got nothing. You got a belief system. Somebody's confused right now. I thought it was that simple. There is nothing complicated about the gospel. But it's not just believe one time. For even the devils believe and tremble. Let me tell you something right now. Every one of the third of the angels that cast their lot with Lucifer and fell with him that are either locked away in chains or tormenting this earth, they know who he is. They believe who he is. They believe and they tremble at his name. But you know what they're not? They're not saved. They're not saved. You know who also believes in him? Lucifer himself, the devil himself, the accuser of the brethren, the old dragon, the serpent of old. You know what? He believes that he's the Christ. But you know what he's not? He, let me say it a different way. He accepts that he is the Christ. But you know what he's not? Saved. He's damned. Just like everybody else who's not born again. You can know the scripture. Through backwards and forwards. Know the word, let me say that again, a different way. You can know the words on the pages and still not know him. What? Well, how do I know that? He just told them. He just told them. For he wrote about Moses, you believe Moses, for he wrote about me. What did Moses write? Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Job, half the Psalms. Torah, let's say it that way. What they took as scripture. You've read what Moses says, you still don't believe. Hello? You must be. Look at what he said. Most assuredly, verse 24. I say to you, he who hears my word. That's more than your ears are are catching sound waves. Do I have to explain that to anybody? 
that you can hear but not hear? I always go to this one. If you've got kids, you know exactly what that means. They, they may have heard you, but they didn't hear you. Well, I can tell you, all of my family will tell you, when you get me good and fired up about stuff like that at home, one of the first things that's going to come out of my mouth, rather undelicately, is, do you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. No, I don't think you understand. Do you hear me? I know you heard my words. Do you hear me? Those who hear my words and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into the judgment but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly I say to you the hour is coming when the dead shall hear my voice. And he is speaking of the Gentile nations. I'm fixing to turn from you. And the dead are going to hear my voice. They, that's how they looked at the Gentile nations. They were outside of the covenant. Hebrews said we were outside of the covenant and without hope. But God. <laughs> so the time is coming when the dead shall hear my voice. That's a, that's a double reference where he's talking about the Gentile nations. I'm fixing to turn from you because you, you have it, but you don't hear it. Hello, do you hear me? You have my word, but you don't hear my word. And the time is coming when the dead will hear my words. He said, and they're going to accept it with, with joy. And it's also speaking to a time when the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel. Everybody talking about Gabriel blowing a horn. That does not what it says. It says that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. He's speaking to the Gentile nations. And he's talking to the ones who accept him as their Lord and Savior. Who are born again. Those who hear my word, hear my word and believes in him who, was sent, who has sent me. I looked, I, hears and believes. They're verbs. There, here comes that English lesson. I know y'all love this. But it's important. There are verbs in the Greek, uh, akion and pe, pestion. I mean, who knows if that's how you say it? Who cares? But this is important. Both are present participles. Why does that matter? I'm fixing to tell you why that matters. They're not past participles, they're present participles. Because both are present participles emphasizing an ongoing action. It could be translated and actually better translated to he who is, is hearing my word and is believing in me. Present and ongoing. <coughs> Thus, hearing and believing are not acts of a single moment, but actions 
that must continue. Christ affirms that our present position of eternal life is conditional on a present living faith rather than a moment of decision of faith somewhere in the past. It's all, you can argue all day long, but the facts are with the language. And not only the facts are with the language, the truth is with the language. All through that book. That's why you're going to read when Paul says in, Col- in Colossians, who, who continues. Go to, go to Hebrews and it'll address they that continue in me. All through the book, it's an ongoing even in, the, even in the end times eschatology uh, of the end of the age, it says that they that endure to the end, the same shall be saved. I got saved, I am saved, and I am being saved. I am justified, being sanctified, and I'm not yet glorified. But I'm headed that way. You can argue with a lot of things, but you can't argue with the with the words of the word. So I'm always trying. The words matter, and they're consistent all the way through. The dead shall hear my voice. Spiritually dead. Gentile dead. Born in sin dead. But the ones that have already died, they're going to hear it too. He says judgment. Listen, the Father has committed judgment unto him. He's saying, he is saying in his humanity, that he, the reason he's saying he's committed judgment to me because I'm God. And he says, all are going to be resurrected. I don't think some people know. You know what, Matt? All are going to be given a new body. All, everybody. Because you know what? When you die, your spirit and soul, your body goes back to the dust. Everybody's does. Everybody's does. Your body goes back to the dust. This, this is the part of us that is not eternal. I got time. Because that's the, that's the people that die. Check out. He's going to give a new body. He's going to put them in it. But the people that are here, that are the sated dead, when he lay, you know what they're going to be? He said they're going to be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. Jesus, Paul said, corruption must put on incorruption. Mortality must put on immortality. All are going to be resurrected. Do I need to find you the verse for that? This is, well, this is a lot on Wednesday night. 
Verse 28, do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good, just in case you think I'm in error, are you reading? Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. How many, who, who's going to get new bodies? Who's going to be raised up and get new bodies? Everybody. Everybody. You know why? You're going to receive a glorified body to live eternally in the presence of the Lord. Who, who, or who, the people who go to the judgment seat of Christ. I think it would be improper language to say that the, 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 the lost, the damned, the evil that are going to be resurrected and given new bodies would be given a glorified body. I think it would be improper language, but they're going to be given an eternal body. And that, and that body is going to suffer in torment. How long? For eternity. There's a doctrine floating around the world again that after 10,000 years or whatever, that it's not eternal, that, that they're not going to have eternal life, but, the, but there's going to be an end to the torment, and when it's over, they're just, they're just gone. You know what that would be? You know what that is? I'll tell you, besides a lie, I'll tell you what that is. It's false hope. It's false hope. It's a lie, and it's false hope. What do you mean it's false hope? A hundred thousand years of agony and teaching. You know what? At a hundred thousand years, there's hope in that. Because there's an end to it. Because eternity is, your mind can't get around it. Eternity, 10 trillion times 10 trillion years, it'll still be going on. They used to sing an old song back in the day, 10,000 years will just be started. 10,000 years we've just begun. The battle's over and the victory's been won. 10,000 years, it's nothing. We've just begun. In the light of eternity, it's nothing. Say, I don't like all this talk. This is too hard. This, I just don't like it. I don't care. It's the truth of the God's word. And so I am not going to stand before God on your behalf that I didn't preach the truth. It's not going to happen. And you know who, you know who had more to say? You've heard, you know what I'm going to say. Jesus had more to say about hell than he ever had to say about heaven. You should understand that. Heaven is a real place. Hell is a real place. Heaven, there's an eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for his people. That's a lot because I have a big imagination. You ought to know that by now. I have a big imagination and it says I can't even conceive of what he's prepared. But on the flip side of that, it's a place of outer darkness. No parties. And nobody's going to be partying in hell with their, with their, with their buddies. Those people got that stupid idea. They're going to be having a cold. Well, you're going to, a wet finger. A wet finger. Send Lazarus to me that he may dip his finger in water and touch my tongue. And people think they're going to be in hell having a cold one with their buddies. 
The only buddies I think anybody will have any awareness of is the ones that didn't tell them that had the truth. Because you know what that is? Torment. I believe that the people in hell will spend eternity remembering every opportunity they had not to be there. I believe that. Outer darkness. I've talked about it before. Think about this. Think about this. Think about this. I've talked about it here before. Think about this. Because we know there's a lake of fire, but we also know it's called outer darkness. And I, got, I, I can tell you why, but my mind still can't get around it. Let me tell you why. It's going to be fire with no light. Think about that. Fire with no light. You know why? Because Jesus is the light of the world. He's light. Let there be light. And there was. He is light. Fire with no light. No flame on earth that's ever been measured that compares with its heat but doesn't consume. A place, he says, where the fire is not quenched and that the worm dies not. Who's the worm? Such as I. <laughs> yeah. Such as I. A worm such as I. Fire's not quenched. The worm dies not. book tells you it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. I say, I thought God is love. God is absolutely love. It's, it's, it's his character. It's, his, it's who and what he is. Hence, the opportunity, the way made when he didn't have to. For one and for all, for God so loved the world. It, let me say, God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. I usually go to Romans 5 and 8, but can I read the rest of that real quick? For when we were without strength, who? Us. For when we were without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. He didn't die for all those ones that you think is the perfect human being that everybody loves. You know who the, what they were ungodly. You know, it's like my, my, my grandmother on my Mother's side, I've never, literally, never in my life, anytime, anyplace, anywhere, by anybody, heard anybody speak a bad word of Mary Crenshaw. 
I'm talking about when daughters divorced and husbands were beaters and everything else. Even that wife-beaten husband never had a word to say about Mary Crenshaw. You know why? She was godly and she was good. You know why? Because she was his. She was ungodly just like everybody else without him. But what I want you to hear, he says, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now think about what he did. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone even would dare to die. Do you hear what he's saying? He's telling you there's very few people you would die for. You might die. There might be someone out there scarcely for a, a good man would one die. Perhaps for a good man, one would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love towards us. And while that we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if, we were, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we have been saved by his life. And not only that, but we will also rejoice through God. We will rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. It's wow. It's wow. That's the love of God. See, it's not God rejecting men and God rejecting people. That's never been the issue. Since, day, since, since the fall of man, it has never been God rejecting people. When Adam fell, when Adam transgressed, God immediately slew an animal, a blood sacrifice, and gave him a covering as a way back. When, when brother Slave brother, and he, he sees what's happening, and God says, what are you doing? And why is your countenance fail? He said, if you, don't, if, you, if, if you would offer what I've asked for, even now, I, I'll accept it. It's never been God rejecting people. That's the love of God. Before the foundations of the earth, there was a plan. It's never been God's rejection of men. It's always God, man's rejection of God. He made a way where there was no way. And when it's presented to you, well, Romans even tells you, that you can't, even, you can't even get away with it in ignorance. He said the creation and everything around you screams that there's a God. Testifies. But when you sit under gospel preachers all your life, mocking God and playing games with God, get mad at God, shake your fist at God, dying 
And even in, I've, I've heard of old hateful men and women angry <coughs> on their deathbed still cursing God like he's the problem. What he would say, if you don't take it, would I not accept it? It's up to you. The price has been paid once and for all. Well, he had to do that. No, he didn't. I read just this week in Hebrews. I, I, I actually have missed it. As many times as I've read Hebrews, I've missed it, Chris. Because I've heard people even ask about, you know, he created the angels. What about them? I, I, I've told you before. I said, I, I, I mean, it, it may, somebody may be more theologically advanced than I do, but I, am, but I can't find anything about God's love for the angelic host. I can't find it. It doesn't say anything about it. Created them for a purpose. They're, they, they, they're, they're messengers. They work on it. But I can't find anything about his love for them. I don't believe it's there. Because I believe if it was there, he would have redeemed them. But I can tell you that the writer of Hebrews clearly says that God chose not to and did not redeem the fallen angels. But he chose to redeem mankind. That's an incredible thing. No, he didn't have to do anything. He could have spoke it out of existence as easily as he spoke it into existence. Even with Moses, stand, stand aside. Step back. Stand aside. And I will wipe them out. And I will raise up again a children after you. Moses said, oh, he said he, he, he pled. He went to God and said, God, don't do it. God, don't do it. God, don't do it. And it says that God heard him and listened to him and said, okay. No. It's an incredible thing. We've been reading the last 30 weeks. We've been telling you how he stepped into humanity. Set, setting aside the privileges of deity. The holiest of holy stepped in to, to feel what the temptation of sin felt like. For the enemy to throw everything he had in him in a measure that you and I have never known. To face the agony of the weight of the world's sin on the way to Calvary. Looking, look, if there's any other way, let this cut pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Perfect obedience. Empowerment by the Spirit. Everything that we've faced, he was facing. Why would he do that? I'll tell you why. For you. That's why. For me. That's why. Literally. No, it's like no other thing. Oh, everybody has a religion. No, sir. Mohammed has never done anything but brought destruction to this world. 
and death. Say, well, what about what's been done in the name of Christianity? Had what's done in the I, there's, there's has anything ever been done in your name that wouldn't you? Hello, really? What the Catholic Church did in the Spanish Inquisitions and the and the and the Crusades and all that that has nothing to do with the God of this Bible or the Christ of this Bible. In fact, everything that happens in Rome has nothing to do with the Christ of this Bible. It's another Jesus and another gospel, frankly. Unless that upsets people, there's a lot of other gospels and other Jesuses in this world today. There's a prosperity Jesus that's not the Bible, the Jesus of this Bible. There's a sick or sensitive Jesus that's not the, that's that. He's, not the he's not the Jesus of this Bible. There, there, there's the, there's the, the, co-redemptress of Mary that's not the God of anything that's made up doctrine there's indulgences and there's and there's and there's uh, what's the word uh, sacraments none of that is the God of the gospel of this Bible that's another Jesus another gospel by another spirit frankly now now we got the self-help gospel the self-help Jesus there's no there's no self-help Jesus because there's no self-help. Makes you want to flip the... That makes me want to flip the podium. Makes me want to say, boom. There's no, there's no self-help Jesus. There's no self-Jesus. I ain't even got time to talk about all that. Because you know. I, some people hadn't heard some of that quite so frankly. I, I got news for you. Paul, Jesus, Jude... Peter, all of them talked about the time that we're, that we're in where we would be inundated and surrounded and drowning in false preachers and false doctrine. And everybody says, yeah, 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 that's true. But you don't know anybody. And we got just a few minutes before we're out of here, so I might as well just keep kicking that can. I found it to be true. You can tell anybody that thinks they want to be a Bible-believing Christian, you say this, so they say, yeah, it does say that, it does say that. They say, well, well what, no, 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 that's not what I, they, But they don't know anybody. And then when you start pointing to the ones, I mean, when you lay what they teach as gospel against the gospel, and they're not the same, uh, and then, you, then they all get a case of the yeah buts. And yeah, butts are worse than the hiccups. Because hiccups will aggravate you to death, but the yeah, butts will take you to hell. It's true, Brother Steve. The yeah, butts will take you to hell. Because there's only one God, one gospel. <laughs> just one. Just one. There's just one. Yeah. I, I got to take you all over here now.
There's been a lot lately. I'm not going to go into a lot of anything tonight. But I want to assure you of something. There's been a lot lately. Around here. And in my life. And just the ministry. And a lot. A lot. And I'm going to tell you sometimes. The devil will throw everything he can. He, He really does. Trying to break you. Trying to shut you up. Trying to stop you. I'm not over-spiritualizing anything. This is a fact. Just a fact. Not ever been in these shoes. You, you will never know and never understand that it's not a, that's not a brag or a pull to, a plea to feel sorry or, Pastor, oh, everything okay? I hate that, by the way. I hate that. I hate that. I turned that off a second. You hear me? And it's all geared towards getting somebody to quit or to shut up or soften or change. That's what it is. And you know what? There's just something wrong with me, Matt. Jeff, there is something wrong with me. Because when that stuff starts, and it's hard sometimes. But I tell you, Sam, I'll tell you what it does to me. It makes me it makes me more determined than I've ever been. It makes to doubling down ain't nothing. It makes me stop worrying about my preacher friends down in Houston that may get upset that I tell them their seven mountains is a pile of dung. It makes people mad that I say if you're going to follow the Copeland gospel, you're going to split hell with your gold. And I don't mean, that's not hyperbole. I mean it because it's another gospel by another G. And I could go down the list and people get all mad and every once in a while I slack up a little and all that. And then he, he starts coming to try to stop you from telling the truth. And I thought, you know what? They don't like me anyway, Jeff. And here's what I know. This book says that he is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. That what he says he will do, he will do. You know what? I am going to hitch my wagon to that. From here on out, if it's just me and Jesus, and I don't mean like Tom T. Hall, we don't have our own thing going. He's got his things going, and I'm going with him. I'm going with Jesus all the way. <laughs> I'm telling you, I just read it. It's going to come up real soon. Isaiah 58. He talks about the thing. I ain't, I'll preach it tonight if I don't shut up. But you know what he says? He, said, he, he's, he says, I sought for, he, he has told, he said, I sought for one. I sought for one among you who would make up the hedge, who would stand in the gap. He said, I found none. But I read in Isaiah when you begin to please God, 
He talks about that then your light will break forth as the dawn. Then your, then your darkest night will be like the noonday sun. He said, then your soul will be like a well-watered garden. He said, and then, he says, you will call on me and I will answer you. And you will say to me, where are you? And I will say to you, here am I. And he says, and when that happens, he said, then you will be called the repairer of the breach. And I am determined, I am determined to repair the breach. I'm determined. That's talking about the walls being down. That's talking about everything can come in and go out. I'm determined to stop up that hole with the Word of God. I'm determined that every young ear in that thing that is rebelling and living like hell and are going to get their self killed, is going, they're going to do it. They're going to do it running and trampling across the gospel every week. They're going to have, they're going to, have to reject it and trample it, and they're going, to, they're going to stand before God with their own blood on their own hands because this preacher is going to tell them the truth. I'm going, that's what's going to happen. And everybody in between. If it's just me and Chris and Tony at church one Sunday, that's how it'll be. But we're still going to stick with that book. We're still going to stick with it. Stand with me all across this place. I preach strong tonight, and we're going to give a strong altar call. And you're responsible for the altar call. I'm not responsible for the altar call. I can, you know what, Matt? I can't move anybody anywhere, but the Spirit of God can. And you know, they can reject Him. They ain't reject, if they reject the Word, they're rejecting Him, not me. I figured that out. And I, ha- I cannot say, stand 20, 30, 45, whatever long minutes ago, and say that there's people in this room, I believe, right now, and then not give people in this room the opportunity to pull their life back into line with the Word. Father, I'd ask you tonight that you add anointing to your Word. Spirit of God, that you would draw that only you can. Because there's no one going to come unless you draw them. Lord, I pray right now that you would break through the hard hearts and through the, the, the stiff, that you would loosen the stiff necks. <laughs> and the Lord, that you would take the shackles off of the bound, that you would take the blinders off of the blind, that you would take the, 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 the earplugs out of the deaf. Lord, that, I, that you would, that the, tonight in this service, that the dead would hear your voice. <laughs> Lord, that the dead would hear your voice. I've came to the place where I don't have much use for church calisthenics and all that junk. So I would ask you tonight, if you're here tonight, not because of the preacher, but because of the word and the drawing of the Holy Spirit, that you know that, you, that you're in a situation where, the, where you need the living God to come and make you, to bring you from death into life. That you need to be recreated in His image. That you, that you know because of the Spirit of God tonight that you are lost. If you take your last breath that you're going to wake up in a place of eternal torment. And it won't be heaven. And it won't be with your buddies. If that's you tonight. If the gospel has, even, has done anything but graze off of your hard heart. That, you would, that right now in this place that you would run to a place. 
Run, you don't need me. Run to a place. Fall on your face right now or run to the altar and, and cry out to a living God. I'm not talking about cute little repeat after me prayers or none of that namby-pamby junk. I'm talking about I need you tonight because I can't go another day. Are you here tonight? I'm asking you, are you here tonight? If you're waiting on people to bow their head and close their eyes, I don't care if they do or not. We're talking about eternity here. We're talking about the, in the most serious terms. Are you here tonight? Saints are praying. Saints, I, I wouldn't be looking around to see who's coming. If, or if they're coming, I would be praying. I would be doing like Moses and saying, oh God, would you step in? Oh God, would you soften their heart? Oh God, would you, would you chase them down? Oh God, would you not let them sleep? Until, until they deal with you. Oh God, would you make them where they can't even eat until they deal with you. Lord, I pray that you make them miserable in their sin until, the, until they deal with you, one way or the other. Church, we need to learn how to pray and quit, and quit goofing off. That's how people need to be praying. God, don't you let it settle on them and fall on deaf ears. Make them miserable in their sin. We have churches for a half a century now making people comfortable in their sin. God, would you intervene? Soften their heart. I'm going to ask one more time, and then we're going to dismiss. If that's you tonight, are you here? And would you make tonight your night where everything changes? Are you here? Are you here? Are you here? I'm going to ask it one more way, one more time. You are here. There's no doubt in my mind. You are here. In fact, you're so here that I could come get you if I so choose, but I'm not the Spirit of God, and I can't save you. You are here, and the question is tonight, will you make tonight the night you surrender and you stop playing games and you stop mocking God? Will you come? Will you come? Will you come? Father in heaven, I thank you tonight for your word, for the spirit of God. Lord, for the, even the presence that's in this place now. Lord, I pray for souls in this room that are weighed in the balance tonight. Lord, I pray even for some that may be over live stream now and that in the months and weeks and even years to come that the, that the power of God is going to go through a live stream. Lord, that, that they're finding themselves weighed in the balance tonight and they're found wanting. Lord, that you would grip their heart. Lord, I pray tonight we, turn, we put them in your hands. 
to deal with strongly. Lord, I intercede on their behalf, Lord, that, that whatever it takes would be what, we, what happens. Lord, I pray that they're miserable in their sin. Sleepless nights and long days. <laughs> but that the hand of heaven would continue to run and can chase after them. Cry their name. Wake them up in the night. Show them, give them a glimpse of their future. If that's what it takes. Soften their heart, we pray. In Jesus' precious name, we ask it. Amen. Amen. Church, shake somebody's hand, hug their neck, tell them that you love them. Be praying, interceding, and fasting for your church.